Welcome to the Mac PFD Sparkle podcast. This is Ruth Chen, and in the Sparkle subseries, we'll bring you shorter segments released in between our longer Spark episodes. We'll have new and exciting interviews with professionals from across the world, helping you to achieve your personal and professional goals as a healthcare educator, researcher, leader, or practitioner at any stage of your career. So sit back, listen, and enjoy this episode of the Mac PFD Sparkle Podcast. Today, we'll be hearing Drs. Teresa Chan and Kevin Dong discuss getting the most out of the podcasting experience to create a community of practice. Using the Mac Emerge podcast as an example, Drs. Chan and Dong reflect on how the podcast started and discuss what it means to grow a digital community from the ground up. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here doing this mini podcast with Dr. Kevin Dong, who is the mastermind behind our Mac Emerge podcast. Say hi to everyone, Kevin. Hey, everyone. My name is Kevin Dong. I'm one of the Emerge physicians at the Hamilton Health Sciences and also at McMaster University. And I don't want to take all the credit for Mac Emerge podcast because obviously we all know the mastermind behind the mastermind is Dr. Teresa Chan. So I think you have to give credit where it's due. Well, it's something that we all kind of came up together with and definitely started as a team. So the original team that really helped make this come to fruition was Dr. Joanna Dita, who is one of our residents, and also Dr. Brendan Trotter, who's one of our faculty members, yourself and myself. But our team has definitely grown over the years. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. We've definitely grown actually to the point where we have a little squad of medical students who are fantastic. And they've actually kind of created their own almost leadership structure where they've kind of done their own internal development, working with us to create a podcast that not only is just about the sound, but it's about the infographics. It's about the summaries. It's about making sure that our listeners get the full experience. So thanks to our med students, as well as our residents who are working so hard to get the resident sections up. So I think our group has grown immensely since the beginning, and we hope that it continues to grow going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely grown into more of a community of practice around the podcast. It's not just about the podcast, it's actually about the whole kind of like network and being able to put everything together so that it's a collaboration to do something, right? It kind of reminds me of when Dal back in time in high school when you had a club and it's like we're like the AB club for our division, you know? So that's kind of fun, right? Because at the core of it, the reason why we started it, do I dial back time and take us through when we got started? What was our what was the rationale? What were we thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point about the community of practice. And I think that was actually the initial goal. And this is even before the pandemic. And actually, our podcast has been, I believe, something that's been something such a, a shoe in in terms of practicality for the pandemic. But the reason why it started was because we knew that there were amazing educators and clinicians and researchers and academics and et cetera, not only just at our primary sites at McMaster, but we knew there were amazing people all across anything affiliated to McMaster University and also around the country, right? Mm-hmm. And so our initial goal was, okay, well, you know, we can try to share our ideas and collaborate within our groups during physical settings like grand rounds or, or meetings. But what if I wanted to work with that person who has an amazing idea at Kitchener-Waterloo or maybe in Niagara or, you know, across the country? So how do we try to collaborate and connect and also disseminate information and knowledge that's already out there so that things don't get repeated or things can also grow 
-hmm. I think that was kind of the initial goal. And so you talked about that community of practice. And I think that was what we wanted to create a digital community of practice where it's easy to connect using some kind of platform, which is multimedia, using our internet or social media to grow that aspect. And so that idea came from podcasting. And so that's kind of how the base is the OG version of how our podcast started. And that was kind of the founding philosophy. And here we are now creating what our 26th episode coming up. So I'm mm -hmm. pretty proud of our accomplishment. Definitely. I mean, I think that the rationale to me was always to make sure that people just knew each other a little better because we have a lot of amazing people in all of our different sites. And yet, you know, as Emerge Docs, we're often passing like ships in the night. We might be in this department at the same time as someone else, but other than a five minute chit chat, you don't actually really get to know people. You don't get to deep dive into what kind of work they're working on or what kind of cool part of their lives they haven't brought to work with them. And I think that that's been a huge game changer. I have faculty members coming up to me spontaneously to say, I didn't know this person was so thoughtful and interested in this. And I had a really great conversation with them the other day at the end of my shift because they were coming in and I was leaving and, and we chat a little bit about whatever it is that they were interested in, whether it's gender related equity issues or ultrasound or et cetera, et cetera. What it was, was that it was like we were all disconnected and not really part of a community by bringing some of these things to light. What we've been able to do is help people connect with each other. And I think that's really powerful in this day and age. Absolutely. And I think you said it there too. We also want to celebrate successes and accomplishments too, right? I mean, I think I didn't, like you said, some people did things that are amazing. I didn't know about it. And so why not bring light to that, right? I mean, I think you won like a CAPE award recently. And so we, we put that light in there, like Teresa Chan did this. And I think people say, oh, Teresa's awesome. I want to work with her. And so that connection that comes in with that celebration as well. So I think just using that knowledge dissemination, the sharing aspect and communicating in such a manner that's easy, where you can literally just put it on, on your drive to work for, you know, 10 minutes, right? Our episodes aren't that long. And just kind of getting that information, I think is what we wanted. And so if that's what people are getting out of, then I think we've done our job. So why don't we talk some numbers just so to convince people that podcasting might be their thing. I know you recently published a study about our podcast, a program evaluation study. Do you want to walk us through a little bit about like what you did there to kind of show that we were doing what we were said we were going to do. Once we started this project, we were very pleasantly surprised by the successes of how it was being utilized and what people were listening to and how they were listening to it. And so we kind of wanted to look at the numbers and see if it was actually useful. Because what's the point of creating a podcast that takes so much time, even though the initial philosophy may be good, if it's not being listened to and it's not being used, then what's kind of the point, right? So we wanted to take a look and see, hey, are people listening to us? And if they are, who is listening? That's kind of what we wanted to do. And so that was kind of the starting point of this innovations report that we sent to the SAEM journal. And the essentially, we were lucky enough to have it published with our group, including yourself, obviously. But the paper, if you want to check it out, it's called Mac Emerge Podcast, a novel initiative to connect the distributed community of practice. And, you know, obviously I don't want to spoil the, the paper, but as a preview, essentially we wanted to look at our first 12 episodes that we had come out and see how many lessons we got and how many people had listened to each episode and, and who were listening to our episodes. So the first 12 episodes, we essentially had 2,732 lessons total. And on average, each episode got about 227.7 
you know, plus minus based on the episode that uh, we had. And then out of that, we wanted to look at, okay, where are people listening from? So actually, it was really interesting to see that there are people listening to from all over the world. So that was, that was kind of cool. But we also, because the, the goal of this podcast is to see what the regional group is listening to so that we can communicate and connect, we looked at that specifically and it showed that around 1,205 or 44.1% or so, the lessons were coming from McMaster affiliated and Hamilton catchment cities and towns that we had essentially set out as parameters if you look in the paper. So it's kind of cool showing that around 50% of the people that we're listening to were in the area that uh, McMaster affiliated. And the amount of lessons now obviously has grown since that time. Now we have 25, 26 episodes. I think almost lessons are almost at 7,000, which is pretty cool. So hoping that that was the goal. And I think we kind of hit that target around 50%. And we wanted to essentially grow from that. So future scholarship work has been coming and will come. But I think that was an initial paper showing uh, some of the successes that we had earlier on. Yeah, and I think that if you're doing some cool, innovative initiatives like this, it's worthwhile doing a bit of a lit review. And if something like this hasn't been attempted in your specialty, it might be worth writing up, right? The SoundCloud analytics are not hard to do. It was a little bit of a pain to figure out which of the cities and regions were affiliated with our university, but not too hard because there's a list out there and then being able to, you know, make some estimates. Obviously, we probably underestimated a good chunk of our faculty actually live in Toronto, then we kind of excluded them from the analysis. And so it probably listens more. And obviously, it's geotagged to where you are. So if you're listening on the phone, and you're driving, you know, on a big road trip or something like that in the days before the pandemic, because this was a couple of years ago, then obviously, that would also not be clockable on our fairly conservative estimate. In fact, there's even one place in Florida, which I found out was someone's vacation home. And like, there were like a bunch of listens because this person on vacation was listening to our podcast. And so, you know, we know that we probably underestimated how many people actually listened from our catchment area, but, you know, applying a logic model allowed us to say, Hey, like this is a bit of a local podcast. So it's both for our local people, but there's a bit of a global listenership, which is cool, especially since a lot of our alumni have gone to different countries to work in different ways. So maybe they're trying to stay connected with our, with our group, which is fantastic too, right? So I think that every residency program could think about some of these things. And recently we've seen the launch of an Ottawa podcast. University of Ottawa Emergency Medicine has their own podcast lately. And I don't know if it was because they saw that we were being successful at it or read our paper, but it's pretty cool to see a network of people actually putting their own content out there and celebrating their faculty. So regardless of whether or not they just came up with their idea independently, or if we might have had some small part in that, I think it's just cool that our specialty is actually thinking about that. And maybe in other domains, you can be thinking about it too. So if you're someone who wants to build a community of occupational therapists or speech language pathologists, this might be a tool to do it. It reminds me of Jeff Riddell's work around how there is a socio-materiality to the podcast themselves, right? Because I don't know if you've ever listened to a podcast regularly, you almost feel like you get to know the people in the podcast, right? Like the hosts become someone that you're like, oh my gosh, if you met them, you, you kind of know what they were going to say and their personality and things like that. And so I think we can cash in on a little bit of that. For sure. I mean, I feel like I, I know Anton Hellman. Pretty well. I mean, I know him in real life too, but I feel like I know him more just because I listen to his podcast so much. And in terms of Ottawa, I mean, I'm sure Hans had a big name in that, obviously, Hans Rosenberg. And they, and shout out to also Western, who also have their own podcast as well. So I think it's growing, that community practice you've been talking about. I think it's growing not only as a microcosm of our own university, but I think also globally and, and the macro aspect and different aspects. So I think that's really cool. And if we had any part in doing that, I mean, that's great. 
I mean, that's amazing. And I think there is a lot of scholarly work that needs to be done in this field. That's the other thing that I wanted to say was that, you know, after doing some extensive literature review, there hasn't been a lot of scholarship done on reviewing podcasts that are local and essentially for the philosophy of knowledge dissemination amongst the local group. So I think there's work that needs to be done and we will continue to do it from our end. And I'm sure the other podcasts that have sprung to life will also do so as well. There's some cool stuff coming up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a game changer in terms of the modalities that we can now teach in, right? Because you might have a little podcast for one of your classes, for one of my grad school classes. That's what I do. Because some of the content is like I lecture on research methods in medical education or health versus education. And in either of those domains, I don't really need slides. And so we are all Zoom fatigue, video fatigue. We know that people listen to a 20-minute podcast, but only watch an eight-minute YouTube video based on large population analytics from Coursera. So if we know that, then why aren't we using a modality that's less cognitive load that allows you to get the same message across? Because someone can listen to a podcast and they can get the same content and they will pay attention to it better because they're only focusing on that one process channel. That's huge, right? Like they might be doing it while they're doing some physical activity, right? They don't trip over, you know, a stray log or something like that on a hike. They can listen and appreciate. And that's, that's a good thing. I think right now we're, we're, we're trying to find ways to connect people, but also teach them and reach them. And so I think the podcast gives me pause for saying, okay, do I really need to do this as a webinar? Do I really need to do this as a PowerPoint slide or a video or can I just talk about it? And I think that that's really powerful as a teacher and liberating to not have to always be tied to a deck of PowerPoint slides. For sure. I mean, you know, look at the impact that MRAP and EM cases, I mean, I'm looking at emergency medicine, obviously here, because that's what our field is. But I mean, I'm sure the amount of knowledge that people have acquired clinically, right, from those podcasts, there's no slides, you know, they're, they're listening, right? I'm listening. And I learned so much just from, you know, I, obviously I'm a staff physician now and, and I'm certified, but there's new things coming up. It's, there's attrition, right? You forget about some of the nuances. So listening to those things and, you know, sharpening that tool shed, it's totally useful. And I think what you're doing there with your classes, absolutely. And same with Keylime, right? I mean, I'm listening to, I'm doing the CE diploma right now and listening to some of the stuff that, you know, Jason Frank and Jonathan Sherbin, all those guys are saying, I'm learning, right? So I don't need slides for that. So I think podcasts definitely have a way to augment our learning on different aspects, not just clinical, but research, academics, med ed. And so I think this is the, the way of the, not only the future, but the now. And so we're trying to cash in on it, obviously. And I think other programs, other departments, other interdisciplinary fields, right? Nursing, respiratory therapy. I think all those places can also take this kind of tool and, and use it on their own. So lots yeah. of cool things, I think, coming up. And like, obviously, if you're a radiologist and you really want to teach about chest x-rays, yes, a YouTube video is 100% the best <laughs> choice modality. But if you're talking about how you can form an interprofessional team, for instance, and take care of a system or do quality improvement, you may not need slides. And so that's why I think it's good to just have this in your toolbox of teacherly things you can do to be able to reach your audience. And I think it's liberating to just have another way to communicate. And it's also not too hard to learn how to edit. I mean, I, I can get old school with just like regular garage band, which is comes native on my Macintosh computer. And I know that you've invested in more elegant software called Hindenburg. But that being said, I think that the software has never been easier, right? Like it's a little bit of deliberate practice. You'll need some feedback. And increasingly there are networks and support groups online to teach you how to edit. 
We've got some stuff on the McMaster Program for Faculty Development website about how to optimize your audio. And so I think that the time is now, if you're interested in it, you could bake your sourdough bread, or maybe you could try your hand at editing a podcast and maybe see if this is something that you just like doing, because it might be a new hobby. Absolutely. I mean, just to plug into something else that we're both working on, but I've been working on extensively is with our Canadian group. And so Canadian is a blog that we have that's essentially free, open access, uh, medical education and clinical research knowledge. And essentially, I've been tasked to create kind of a multimedia meant that aspect in our blog. And essentially, we created a podcast team. And essentially, this wily bunch of you know educators, none of them actually have podcast experience at all. But I said, you know what, who's interested? So I took them like about 14 people and I put on a little workshop and it took me about two hours to teach them. And now we have podcasts every week, right? So it's doable. You know, there's a little bit of investment that's not that expensive. And if this isn't a hobby that's right for you to augment your field of interest, then go for it. And obviously you and I will be, you know, available if people have questions, right? So that's the cool thing about this community practice in a digital world. Yeah, definitely. And there, there's lots of meta podcasts. I call them podcasts about podcasts. So definitely, like, it's really cool. And and to be honest, most of the stuff you can Google your way to success. Like, when we started Macamber Podcast, like, I just fell into a rabbit hole of clicking from one link to another until I kind of figured it all out. And there's some nuances to getting indexed on different repositories, but hosting your content, because you need to have a server, right, where the content sits and gets distributed. So using one of the kind of like tried and true ones like there's one called Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. There's also SoundCloud, which is hosted in Germany, but it's also pretty cool. And these big companies, they actually have affiliations with other networks such as iHeartRadio or Spotify and things like that. And so if you get listed in one, they actually get discovered through really simple methods such as RSS feeds and things like that, right? So it's kind of cool to watch your podcast get picked up by another kind of like network and another podcast app. The two ones that need to be separately registered are Google Play and also Apple. So it's kind of like, you know, when you get your journal indexed (laughs) as a journal editor, it's like that. Like you got to apply to Web of Science and Scopus and PubMed and each of these indexes need you to put in the right information or you get rejected. And so you don't have to wait a year, though, at least (laughs) for for to be reviewed again. You just have to change what feedback they give you. So it's been kind of uh, cool to learn some of the back end stuff. But again, If you're just getting started, you could host all your content literally on our Dropbox. Just edit the MP3 and put in a Dropbox link and then send the link around to people so they can click the link and listen right off of the web. So you don't even have to commit to something that elegant or or confusing. You can start out with very, very basic stuff. You can really email around the audio if you wanted to as well. So there's various different levels that you can play at, which is kind of cool. It's kind of like you can do the T-ball version of podcasting and all the way up to the big leagues, right? I think you bring a good point is that, you know, if you have a cool idea, go for it. I mean, there's nothing stopping you. That's the beauty of this. You can do it when you're in your own workshop at home. But I think one of the things that may be useful is a mentor, right? Someone who's gone through it. So you don't have to go through it all over and try to learn it so much. I'm not sure that's where you're really, that's your thing. And I think that's kind of the reason why we're doing also this podcast too, right? So to put our names out there, not just for our sake, but to say, hey, listen, we're free, we're available, you know, reach out, we can help you out with that stuff. And there's a lot of great podcasters out there who are amazing. I mean, I had mentors when I started. So that's how you get not only your podcast up and running, but also your podcast spread, right? So the other aspect is branding and, and getting that disseminated. So we can talk about all that stuff. And so reach out, we're available. I'm sure our uh, podcast hosts will, will uh, share our information and, and we'll go from there. 
I think a lot of podcasters, like there's such a high bar of tech that sometimes we understand. We understand what it's like to try to climb that mountain. So we're there right there with you. And even, you know, I would say that I'm not an elite level kind of podcaster. There are people that are way better than me at sound optimization and all those other things. I'm so grateful that I have actually a staffer in the program for faculty development because we actually have a podcast there too to connect all our faculty at McMaster. So it's called Mac PFD Spark and it's meant to spark interest in new academic horizons. And and we have a guy named Nick who helps edit that content and Nick's pretty awesome. And he's probably going to edit this content. So we're really excited to have you on board, Nick. And he always makes us feel like we can trust in him that he'll make us sound great. And so that's really cool when you can develop a network around it, you know. All right. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. And what we'll do is we will be here for you if you're ever interested in doing podcast work. I'll have to see if Dr. Dong will entertain doing a digital version of that workshop that he did for the Canadian crew, maybe for McMaster Program for Faculty Development. But then if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably check that out if and when he runs it. And that'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to help out. This is starting to become a little bit of my niche. So happy to share that expertise to everyone. Thanks for having me, Teresa, I guess, or whoever, <laughs> whoever is hosting me, but uh, uh, you can, yeah, you can edit that out, but th- thanks for having me. I'm no, uh, okay. happy to be here. We'll keep it in just because, you know, it's like the behind the scenes look, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much and have a great day. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mac PFD Spark podcast. Just so you know, this podcast has been brought to you by the McMaster Faculty of Health Sciences and specifically the Office of Continuum Professional Development and the Program for Faculty Development. If you're interested in finding out more about what we can offer for faculty development, check out our website at www.macpfd.ca. That's www.macpfd.ca. Many of our events are actually web events that are free. Finally, I'd like to thank our sound engineer, Mr. Nick Hoskin, who has been an amazing asset to our team. Thanks so much, Nick, for all that you do. And also thank you to Scott Holmes for supplying us the music that you've been listening to. All right, so until next time, this is Mac PFD Spark signing off.